Welcome to New Mommy at 40, a honest, informative, and non-judgmental podcast for those navigating to and through parenthood in their 40s. Today's episode is about resilience, and Stephanie Greenwood embodies that perfectly. She's been through the fire, and she talks about finding love after a toxic relationship and becoming the mother she never thought she'd get to be at age 42. And whether you've been through something like this or not, I know that you're going to relate to her. I can't wait for you to meet her. But before we get into it, please subscribe, follow wherever you're listening to this so you don't miss a single episode. All right, let's get into it. It didn't happen in my 20s. Who cares? Now I've got all this fancy wisdom. Hey, I've got this baby, you're getting the best of me Cause I'm a new mommy at 40 (laughs) Stephanie Greenwood is the owner and creator of Bumble and Bee Organics And she just became a first-time mom at 42 But Stephanie's gone through a lot to get to where she is right now. She's a survivor of long-term domestic abuse. And today she's sharing with us and being so vulnerable of how she got herself through the fire. If you're listening to this and you have been through something uh, similar to Stephanie's situation, we do ask that you please take care of yourself during this episode. It might be triggering. And if you haven't, please put yourself in her shoes. Let's welcome her in. Stephanie, it is such a pleasure to have you. I'm just in awe of your story and also just as an entrepreneur, how successful you've been too. And it's just really a pleasure to have you uh, on today and share your story with with our folks. How are, how are you? Oh, thank you so much. Oh, I'm good. Been running around all day, chasing my toddler, <laughs> uh-huh. working from home. And uh, yeah, so I'm exhausted <laughs> and shoveling I'm sure. snow. I mean, you're doing <laughs> a lot of things. And how old is your toddler now? He is 15 months. Oh, yes. Yeah. I so remember he's that time. running everywhere. <laughs> it changes, right? Once they start to like, you're waiting for those first steps and then they take them and you're like, oh my goodness, my life is never going to <laughs> be the same. <laughs> no more just putting you and walking away. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's into everything, climbing on everything, and then just up and down, <laughs> running around. <laughs> but it's so much fun. It's yeah, uh, it's. Yeah, it is. I feel so lucky uh, to have this opportunity, and to be a mom. It's been incredible, and it was something that I never thought that I would be. And yeah, and that's what I we want to get into today is. You know, one of the things that we explore on this show are just all the different paths to parenthood, to motherhood, and how people make these assumptions sometimes as to what took us so long. You don't know what someone is going through Mm -hmm. until you do. Mm -hmm. And now you're able to be a mom in a healthier situation than maybe, you know, it would have been if you had had a child back then. So you were in this relationship, basically, that was really abusive what was that like when it going into it because no one goes into something thinking it's going to be that yeah so how did that start out for you that relationship yeah so I had met him at uh, the music venue that he ran and uh, he was a musician on the stage I thought he was cute and he had a video production company and looked really successful and uh, you know invited me to 
come in and work with him. And I was really interested in that. I was 22 and that was all very glamorous to me, just like this, you know, wow, learning video production and being involved in the music scene. And this was in Arizona. And at that time I had moved from Utah to Arizona to go to grad school and I didn't get in. So I was, it was at a time in my life where I was very lost. I didn't uh, have any friends, really. I'm alone in a new state. Um, I was, you know, rejected from grad school, and I didn't know what I was doing with my life. I was making $8 an hour working at a car dealership and was very, very depressed. So when he came along and, you know, had this glamorous life and was very like, oh my gosh, you're so amazing, you're so smart, and just giving me all of this praise, I didn't know he was grooming me, but, you know, it just made me feel good because he was just mm-hmm. building me up, building me up all of the time. And so I started working with him and, um, you know, uh, things progressed. And one day he told me that he loved me and it kind of took me off guard because he was married. And he said, I'm going to divorce my wife. And and if you want to be together, we can be together. And I was just like, whoa, I, I had to take my time on that. But it ended up he went home him and his wife got a divorce immediately and it was fairly amicable and then it was like okay we're together and it moved really fast it moved it was like well he doesn't have a place to live now because he's getting divorced so he's staying with me and and then soon he got me to quit my job and just say hey come work for me full time So I said, okay. Mm -hmm. And then my lease was up. He bought a house. I moved in with him. And then we were just running this video production company together. And so by then I was, I was dependent on him financially. Mm -hmm. And I had ended up getting into some debts for him that I didn't realize because I was 22 and had no idea how those things worked. And how old was he, Stephanie? He was 31. So we had like a nine, 10 year age difference. So it had started out as kind of this mentor-mentee relationship that was professional, and then all of a sudden it switched. Um, But there was always that power dynamic of, I'm older than you, and I know better, and Mm -hmm. so you need to listen to me and do what I tell you to do. So Mm -hmm. it was not a physically abusive relationship for the most part. I mean, you know, he never hit me or left bruises on me, so... I didn't see the abuse. I didn't see, I didn't know what emotional abuse was. I didn't know, uh, you know, about gaslighting or narcissistic abuse or anything about like that. It was just not really talked about. So, you were so young. Yeah. Yeah. And I was so young and you don't know any of those things. And then you're isolated alone in a new state. So I just was like, well, I'm in it. I'm going to make the best of the situation. And, just try to live my life the best that I can and try to make the best of it. And finally, it, you know, 17 years passed, well, 15 years passed and, and I woke up and was like, okay, I, I read an article about narcissistic abuse and I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what's going on. I knew wow. that something was wrong for a long time, but I could never figure it out. And finally, I had an explanation and it took me a couple of years to a two and a half years after realizing that to finally get out because I had so much 
financial entanglements and you know, the trauma bonding in my head and, and so much to work through that I finally, finally got out after 17 years in 2018. Wow, Stephanie. So I have a couple of questions. One is, did you feel isolated? Did you have a good relationship with your family prior to him? It, you know, I was really close with my sister. Okay. Um, my parents were kind of upset that I had moved out of state. Mm. And of course, they were like, "Uh oh, she's getting in a relationship with someone who's older. And so in the beginning, they were like, be careful, be careful. And I was like, no, we're in love, you know, and mm -hmm. I dug my heels in. I didn't know enough information of what to look for. They said, we're afraid he's going to take advantage of you. And I didn't know what that meant. I'm like, I don't have money. So how could he take advantage of me? Right. And um, and so so my relationship with my parents were kind of strained because I had kind of dug my heels in and said, no, I'm doing this. So for me to turn around and be like, mom, I'm coming home, that would have just taken a lot of, I would have had to swallow a lot of my pride there and declare bankruptcy. Wow, yeah, that's a lot of humility. I mean, because I relate to your story only in the sense, while I wouldn't say the relationship that I was in was at, at all abusive, it was definitely with someone who also was nine years older than me mm -hmm. that uh, I felt it started off as like a mentoring type of thing, but we ended up, we isolated ourselves from my family because they were very, very critical of the relationship from the beginning mm -hmm. with the age difference, the moving out of state, I moved as well. So you're not alone. Mm -hmm. I think what happens is there's a era, there's a time where we're really naive. I mean, and not all people have this experience. You know, I don't know what kind of family that you came from, but you know, if you come from a strict family and you didn't really date much in high school and then you find yourself in this like, oh, I'm an adult now and mm -hmm. someone is like giving me all this attention and praise and advice and uh, almost like a parental figure. And I can't say that I didn't have a, a great dad. So I, I don't know what about that I think I gravitated towards. Maybe it was just the idea of someone so much older and wiser and accomplished was interested in me. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like this lack of self-esteem that I think I had and I hadn't really fully developed as an adult yet mm -hmm. and Absolutely. walked right into a situation. Would you say that was kind of similar for you? Oh, spot on, spot on. I think that, you know, it's you're at that age where you're leaving home. You're, you know, 22 and you're like, I'm an adult now. I can make my own decisions and you kind of have to have that moment of self-actualization, but you can get yourself kind of into just some trouble when you do that. Well, also, it's not your fault. I'm just, you know, the reason why I'm bringing that up is, you know, some there are some people who probably were way more mature than us that could have seen this writing on the wall, you know, right away. Mm -hmm. But uh, hearing you, I saw myself in you because I, I truly had no other... Um, thing to compare it to really I, I wasn't even allowed to date in high school mm. so <laughs> when I went to college it was just like this whole new new world mm -hmm. so you're not alone there are, I'm sure there are people listening to this going mm, 
<laughs> yeah. I made some decisions. Though, you know, I have to reiterate if my ex is hearing, he's <laughs> he's not an abusive person at all. He was a great guy. Just we were in different places and, you know, in in our lives at the time. But I wondered, it must have been really hard for you to go through this and feel so isolated from your support. Mhm. Yeah, it definitely it definitely was. And I wanted to be a grown-up. I was like, mm. I can do this. I can handle this. And, you know, I, I really, really wanted to be a grown-up so bad. <laughs> and Now, in that time that you were together for a really long time, did children ever come up at that time? You know, we had always, it had always been like we were building some business or another. And mm. so it was always, we're sacrificing life now so that we can have this amazing life later. So we had always talked about like adopting kids at some later time. So we're going to sacrifice, you know, our social lives and all of these things so that we can build this, you know, amazing life together. And then maybe someday things will be normal. We'll have kids and, you know, settle down. But we actually did that. We actually built a successful business and... Um, and there were some years there where I was making a lot of money. And so I thought, okay, here we are. We're finally making money. We finally have the stability. Now we can settle down. Now this is what we made all these sacrifices for. So mm -hmm. now we can finally settle down and maybe we'll have a family at this point. But it just got worse. It just got, well, now I need this Porsche. Now I need this Corvette. Now I need a second home. Now I need all of these things. And he just never was happy. And I finally saw this and I thought maybe maybe he's having a midlife crisis. But it's just like he just kept being like, well, if I just have this one thing, then I'll finally be happy and then I'll start working again. And then I'll start, you know, we'll we'll have this normal life. And it never happened. It just kept getting more and more and more out of control. And at the time he had like he had had me, he had torn apart my house here that I'm in now um, with the intent of renovating it. And okay. it sat torn apart for a decade with exposed wires and missing walls and just flooring torn up and one functioning bathroom that didn't have a wall. So there was no private bathroom. And... <laughs> So then he did the same thing. He had me lease out two more um, business units in our industrial complex with the intent of expanding the business into these buildings. Tore them apart, then abandoned that project, and then had me buy a second house, coerced me into buying a second house, and then tore it apart. So by the time that I had to break up with him, I had two torn apart houses and two industrial units that I had to rebuild in order to give back to the landlords. And so, these were all in your name, Stephanie? All in my name. Yes. Oh my because he had ruined so my credit and had been using my credit as our credit, quote. Wow. Now... How did you make your way out of this? What was the moment that you said, no more? Yeah. So 
I had been like in 2015, I kind of got to a crisis point in my life where I was so stressed out because I had all these bills and I had all these this chaos it was absolute chaos and I kind of had a bit of a breakdown and I was just like okay there has to be more to life than what I'm living I'm so lonely I have this you know huge mess that I've got to clean up and I learned about narcissistic abuse and I went okay I've got to get out but it still took me, it was like every time I'd try to leave, every time I'd even think about leaving, I'd hit this brick wall. And it was so hard just mentally to to do it. And um, in 2016, I was really like, okay, I'm going to do it. I, you know, things have got to change. And I kept telling him things have got to change. We've got to fix the house. We've got to sell it. And you know, I tried to give him as many chances as possible to, you know, fix things. And he just wouldn't. And um, and so a couple of years went by. And finally, in February of 2018, he was down at the other house. I was up at this house and I called him and I said, you know, we've you know, we've got to break up. And he convinced me to go to therapy and. We went to a couple couples therapy sessions and, uh, you know, he wasn't doing the homework. He wasn't listening or taking any advice from them. But I started going to the therapist on my own. And he was really a good anchor of, you know, when you're when you're going through gaslighting and you don't know what's real. And I had been through it for so long that I really did not know what was real, what was right, what was wrong. And so having this therapist that could back me up and help me bolster my reality and to, to give me coaching along the way really helped me. And so finally, in June of 2018, I was finally able to do it. Um, but I still had, you know, this huge mess to get out of. No, but good for you. You got out. That, I did. I mean, that's a huge, huge win. Yeah. I'm proud of you. Yeah. Thank you. You know, I, I hear you say, you know, it, it finally took me a long time. Almost it sounds like I don't want you to judge yourself for the time that it took because you had a lot of moving parts that you had to be aware of. So mm -hmm. no matter what, how much time it took, the fact is that you got out. Mm -hmm. So congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now, I I know um, just from our interactions you've mentioned that you've always desired to be a mom though and so I was surprised to hear you say earlier that the only thing that you discussed was adoption and not having kids on your own so when did the desire for you to be a mom however that was going to be whether you're going to have one on your own or adopt when did that start you know I had always you know I, I grew up Mormon and so that's a, a lot of that culture is, you know, your your value as a woman, your divine purpose as a woman is to be a mother. So mm -hmm. I had that kind of ingrained in me from my childhood. And but I knew that I didn't want to have children with the ex because I knew that something wasn't right there. I knew that it wasn't a safe environment for 
children, even though I didn't have the vocabulary <laughs> to to know what was going on. It was like just a feeling of like, I don't want to have kids with this guy. And I dealt with polycystic ovarian syndrome and irregular cycles and all of that. And when I was 34 and I was still with the ex, um, my doctor said, hey, if you want kids, you're going to have to do it right now uh, because your fertility is dropping and dropping fast. And so I, I, I was like, well, I don't have, the, I didn't feel like it was the option, an option to leave the, that relationship. And I didn't want to have kids with him. So I was like, well, I guess I'm not going to be having kids. And mm. so I kind of grieved that as a loss. I just kind of made peace with it. Like, okay, I'm probably not going to have kids and I'm going to make my peace with that. And I kind of grieved that as a loss in my life and tried to find other meaning and try to find other purpose. And, uh, you know, by the time I ended that relationship, I was I was fairly okay with it. You know, it was still something that I felt sad about. It was still something like, uh, I just wasted all this time with an abuser where I could have, you know, I gave all of my reproductive years to this guy and it was a regret and something that I did grieve. Um, so it was, it was something by the time that when it actually happened, much to my surprise, it was something that I had already given up on and how old were you at that point when you uh did leave you were so i left the ex when i was 39 okay and um so i broke up with the ex and about 10 days later i was in a new relationship <laughs> so luckily i lucked out and he's a good guy Yay. and um we have a healthy relationship and um he, he the the pregnancy was a total surprise um because it was i had a blood test when i was 40 and they said you know yeah you have polycystic ovarian syndrome and if you want kids you're gonna have to do ivf and even with ivf you only have about a 20 percent chance of getting pregnant and carrying it to term and yeah, sometimes so less, i said okay you know if you throw the age factor in there as well so mm -hmm. yeah yeah and so i was like okay well you know i've already kind of grieved that in my life and so i'm just going to move on and and live my life and then a year later <laughs> i got pregnant <laughs> so Aww. it's yeah it was an absolute surprise for both of us and it's changed our lives in so many beautiful ways and our son is just absolutely just a joy to us both and that's just been a beautiful thing good for you stephanie <laughs> we're all rooting for you we're like yes good for her this is such <laughs> a, a great um turn of events for you uh, with yeah. the surprise especially i didn't know about the pcos factor i know i i know of that because i have pcos i'm surprised at how um negative though your your experience was in terms of the way that your physician spoke to you about it. I mean, it does, if, if everyone, if anyone who's listening is not familiar with PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, uh, there's been um, talk lately to just call it a disorder as opposed to a syndrome because it just, 
it's an umbrella of many different things and no two cases are alike. And one of the things that it can cause is infertility. It can also cause type two diabetes. It can also cause cancer, but it, it just depends on, you know, a lot of variables. But to hear someone say th that IVF immediately was the only option, I'm surprised to hear that. But again, it just depends on your particular, your results, your test results. So th that really must have been a complete surprise to spontaneously get mm -hmm. pregnant on your own. What a blessing. Yeah, and it just makes me, it makes me realize, I and I do have this theory and I'm looking into it and I might even start a podcast about it, um, about it. the connection between trauma and PCOS mm. because that chronic stress of trauma throws off your hormones and if your body is in that chronic state of stress, if you think that you're being ch chased by bears and wolves, reproduction is not going to be the priority. Survival is going to be a priority. So if you are in that chronic state of stress, you are trying to survive in the short term and not in the long term. So mm. it all shuts off and then that disruption happens and then you just get into these inflammatory circles and hormonal disruption and it's all in this negative feedback loop and they're starting there is an emerging body of evidence that does that is looking at the the connection between trauma and PCOS because I I feel it I mean it was as soon as I got away from the abuser as soon as I got into therapy and started taking care of myself that then the, my body went okay we can relax mm. let's let's start up reproduction again. We're okay, we're safe. And then pregnancy happened. <laughs> Stephanie, you just dropped some major nuggets right now. And <laughs> I, if you don't mind, I'd love for you to share what you found because I didn't know that connection. I know st everyone knows stress is just not good for you in many different, for many different reasons. Mm -hmm. But I have been noticing in my own body when it comes to just being swollen and bloating um, where I feel recently I started developing like a little a bit of an insulin resistance or uh, inflammation and um, have been doing some work in what I'm eating in order to control that but I didn't know about the link between PCO PCOS and trauma because mm -hmm. I definitely have been through th trauma in my life and I've always wondered how this isn't hereditary it doesn't mm -hmm. seem but, uh, or uh, I, I not in my case my sister has had three boys and has no reproductive issues my mom had four no PCOS but for me I have suffered trauma in my life mm -hmm. I am a sexual abuse survivor thriver mm -hmm. um, and I wonder that you say that if you know that I would really like to look into that to see if that's the case Mm -hmm. So thank you for even bringing that up. And I encourage everyone, again, we are not experts. We are two girlfriends talking. So <laughs> at, at any point, do your own research. But I really feel um, empowered to look into that. Mm -hmm. So thank you. It, it definitely, because when you've gone through trauma, whether it's developmental tra trauma in childhood and just developing an insecure attachment style, 
or whether it's something acute where you you went through sexual assault or something major like that and you carry that trauma and you can be in a state of fight or flight chronically mm-hmm. and because it's been happening for so long you don't realize that that's what your body is going through because I you know here I owned an organic company and I was living organic I was eating organic I was eating the perfect foods for PCOS and taking all of the supplements and yet Mm -hmm. still I would have missed periods still I would have the you know horrible cramps and pain and um And so even though I was doing all the things, I was exercising, I was eating all the things, but that chronic stress from being in an abusive relationship was still disrupting my hormones. But it's been, I I will say that since the moment that I got out of the abusive relationship, I haven't had a missed period since, Mm. other than when I was pregnant. And my PMS symptoms are so much less than what they were so much less like I can get through a period maybe with just one or two Advil instead of just like chain Advil after Advil after Advil mm-hmm. because of the cramps and so a lot has changed in my body and I have felt it and I've lived it like okay there is something to this and right. looking into it that cortisol it's all connected in your hypothalamus your hypothalamus is the connection between your brain and your hormones. So if your hypothalamus is picking up on the message that we're under distress, it's not going to connect to the pituitary gland. It, it sends out signals to the pituitary gland and tells the pituitary gland when and what hormones to make. So if the hypothalamus is disrupted through cortisol and stress, it will send the message to the pituitary gland to not make follicle stimulating hormone. So then you only have luteinizing hormone going down to the ovaries and then you end up with the all the little cysts on there and then all the cysts on the ovaries creates the a long way the easy way of saying it those little cysts will create all of those androgens and the testosterone which then increases the insulin and then your body becomes insulin resistant and but your ovaries, for some reason, are not insulin resistant. So then your ovaries get all the signaling from the insulin. And then it's just this negative feedback loop of inflammation and disruption. S- and, and cortisol is everywhere in that, in that equation. It's up in the hypothalamus saying, giving it certain messages. It's at the pituitary gland giving it certain messages. Cortisol has been found to accumulate around the ovaries of women with PCOS. And so it's something that I find myself studying. I'm like, okay, I need to do work. I need to <laughs> I need to make this marketing email for the business. And then I find myself like <laughs> reading exactly <laughs> all of these pathways and reading biochemistry. I'm like, oh, I should be working and not reading biochemistry right now. <laughs> but no, maybe you I find found it a new passion. It, Maybe you I, found a new passion. I think I might have. I, it's really something that that I've lived and that I feel so yeah. strongly about that I want to get the message out there that that chronic stress does affect us in a very physical way. And like you said, PCOS increases your risk for certain cancers, for diabetes, for metabolic syndrome and heart disease. And it can all be linked back to trauma. Wow. Snaps, Stephanie. I 
so appreciate you shedding light on that. And I, I think you should definitely do a podcast. I'm <laughs> for everyone having one that has, you just need a passion to be very passionate about something and know your audience. So mm -hmm. I, I hope that, um, that you continue to, to uh, research all of this and share what you, you find uh, please don't forget to send me uh, <laughs> with the info that you found. And I'll do some digging too, because this is really, really, really interesting. So with all that said, that major change in lifestyle, giving you this space to create this beautiful child, what has motherhood been like for you? You know, it's been, it's been such a transformative journey and it has been healing it has been healing for me I think that you know I'm with the trauma that I've been through I'm still a lot of the time waiting for the other shoe to drop I'm waiting for the bad thing to happen so when I was pregnant I was holding my breath that you know that the pregnancy would go well and and it went well and I had a healthy pregnancy and carried him to term and had no complications. I did end up having a C-section because he had a big head, <laughs> but, <laughs> but that was pretty much the only thing. Um, but, and then like, as he was very small, you know, and you're kind of in that mama bear mode where you're just like, I've got to protect him from everything in the world. And, but at the same time, I think I had a lot of anxiety still about like, okay, the bad thing is going to happen. What's the bad thing that's going to happen? And now that I'm, you know, I've, we're at 15 months now and he's doing amazing. He's doing awesome. And I'm kind of letting my guard down a little bit. I'm like able to relax a little bit and go, okay, this actually is a beautiful thing that has happened mm -hmm. to me and good things can happen to me. And, um, you know, my boyfriend, he fixed my house so I actually have walls in my house now <laughs> and <laughs> and you know, the the bathrooms are functioning and <laughs> the, the the plumbing is working and the electrical is working and so it's fixed my life in a lot of ways and I actually moved out of my house and rented it out for a little while cuz I just couldn't be here. I couldn't be right. here with all of the bad memories, but the last few months we moved back in here and our creating a new life here and creating a new energy and and having having this child running around the house it it definitely has reset the the emotions here and and the feeling oh that's i'm sure having him running around it just makes it all um a, a whole new experience in that home. I was wondering whether you kept it. So I'm glad that, you know, you found, you found a way to, to make it your own now in this whole new experience. Oh, I'm so happy for you. Mm -hmm. What have you found challenging maybe in being a mom in your forties, anything challenging specifically due to being at this stage of your life? You know, that's a good question. I guess I don't have much of a frame of reference because I was never a mother in my 20s. Right. But I i mean, of course, I have lower back pain, but so do so many other women who have given birth. 
Um, I feel like I'm doing okay. I feel like this is the time that I was supposed to be a mother. I feel like I'm healthier than I was in my 20s. And even in my 30s, I feel better than I did <laughs> ever in my life. And so I think I'm doing okay. I may run into the thing that, that, that I may run into is when he's older and in school and I'm around the other moms because here in Utah, the people have a tendency to have kids really young, you know. So I have I have kids that are my age, kids that are my age. My my peers that I had growing up are now grandparents. <laughs> and so I well, may you get look some very looks. Young. Oh, thank you. <laughs> So you can fool them for a little bit. I think really where where it was different for me was like going on Facebook pages and seeing like <laughs> my friend's children in college. Like yeah. You said, but you're saying you're saying they're their grandparents. I haven't reached that yet. Well, not yet <laughs> yeah. in my peer group. That's wild. Yeah. The a girl that grew up across the street from me who's a year younger than me is now a grandmother. <laughs> like. Oh, okay. Oh, Utah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see what it's like when he's in school and I'm around the other moms. But hopefully, <laughs> hopefully I can stay young and keep up with them. <laughs> well, you're doing all these amazing, you know, things and being organic. You're living organically. I'm sure this will only <laughs> just add to your youthful presence and you'll be just fine. Um <laughs> What's your favorite thing so far about being a mom? Oh, him. Yeah. <laughs> that boy just is, he's such a little personality. And it's so fun to see that personality grow every day and, and see it from when he was just a baby and then to see that develop. And just to see this silly boy who just likes to play tricks on us and just is... He thinks everything is funny <laughs> and just he just hasn't been, you know, he hasn't been affected by life yet. And I try to I want him to to keep that humor and to keep that joy for as long as he can. So. <laughs> what would you tell uh 20 year old Stephanie now? That is going to be OK now. It's it's going to be OK and to believe in yourself and don't let other people tell you what to do. Trust in your own instinct and do what you want to do. That's awesome. Where can people find you? At bubbleandbee.com. You can reach me directly, info at bubbleandbee.com if you have any questions about anything and on social media. Our handle's at bubbleandbee. We do organic bath and body products that are free from xenoestrogens, no endocrine disrupting chemicals. That's that's why I started it, um, because of my struggle with PCOS and adenomyosis and learning about all the different chemicals and personal care products that can disrupt our hormones and lead to these you know, conditions. So, um, yeah. That's awesome. Bubbleandbee.com. <laughs> It's such a pleasure. It was such a pleasure having you. And uh, thank you so much for inspiring us with your story and sharing uh, all that you've learned. 
and congratulations on an amazing amazing life thank you so much I'd like to thank Stephanie for being so open and vulnerable with her share. It's not easy to talk about the past, but I know that you've blessed someone today. So thank you so much. And congratulations on all your success, especially your little one. Please tune in next week for another great episode. And don't forget to subscribe. I need you to please subscribe and follow wherever you're listening to this. And like always, take care of yourself and each other. Bye for now.